Yo, everybody, welcome back to the Satsung Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have one of the most talented, um, powerful human beings in music today, Mr. Mike Love. Um, yeah, if you've ever seen Mike Love, um, you have had your brain blown out the back of your skull. He's uh, really mind, mind-bending. Um, of how well he plays, how well he sings, the contents of his songwriting. Um, and also just a really sweet boy. He lives um, he lives in the Pacific Northwest. His internet wasn't great. So there was a short delay when we were talking. It didn't really fuck with anything, but there was some kind of awkward pauses as we were ma- waiting to make sure if the other one was done talking. But um, what I loved about this conversation was Mike and I have a lot in common particularly uh our our family dynamics with our with our partner and children and um you know Mike Mike and I first played together months after I started Satsung like less than a year after I started the band so um we've been around each other a lot but we've never really got a drop in so this conversation was really special to me um I have a lot so much so much respect um for Mike the music he makes, the musician, father, partner, and just man that he is. He's, he, he's a phenomenal example of how to human um, and always comes from a place of love and kindness. Um, this podcast and every episode of the Satsung Podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at On It. You need some new exercise equipment? Are you feeling like you're kind of dragging ass in your workouts? You want to take it to the next level? Um... I would recommend pretty much every single, not pretty much, I would recommend every single thing that they make because I've taken it all. Um, my life does not run without the Total Human. The Total Human is a pre-packaged day pack and night pack of all of their flagship supplements. Um, I've shared this before and I'll share it again. I use the Total Human as my supplementation for three months. I got extensive blood work done, as I do twice a year, and the blood don't lie. I was at optimum levels of nutrient absorption, um, cholesterol, uh, triglycerides, everything was absolutely perfect. Now, I eat really clean, but I think no matter how clean you eat, there is absolutely no reason we shouldn't be supplementing our health. Every body is different, so we're, we're always lacking in something. Um, and in the total human, I have found complete health supplementation. And uh, like I said, it's in the blood, and the blood don't lie. Head over to onit.com, use code SATSUNG at checkout, S A T S A N G, and they're going to give you a little discount. So, that being said, supplement and optimize your shit with Onit. Without further ado, my dear brother, Mike Love. All right. Well, Mike Love, welcome to the Satsung Podcast, man. I'm really excited to um, to chat with you. We, you and I have like, I think what's what's interesting is A, I've just been a, a huge fan of yours for so long, but you're one of the few artists um, that has has kind of known me or like seen me since since the earliest version of Satsung because we played together. I mean, like maybe 2015, 2016, when it was just me and one other guy. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to uh, to chat with you, man. 
Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, same. You know, that was like really pretty early on for touring for me as well. I think it might have been, you know, one of my definitely was one of my first tours that I came came out and did in the states, you know, outside of Hawaii. So, yeah, man, we've we've uh, we've known each other for quite a while, and we've crossed paths many many a time over the years, and it's been really great to to see your career grow and, and, um, you know, I'm sure the same for you to see me grow as well. You know, it's been cool to, to kind of be a part of each other's growth. Totally. Yeah. I mean, a wild thing for me was always like, um, I don't know, I guess the thing that I've always, um, said about, said about you is that, that you're a, a couple things that I always, that I always say in reference to you is I think you're like an artist's artist. Um, because I think if you, I think anyone can objectively see what you're doing and and know that it's special and know that it's amazing. But I think if you write songs and sing songs and play an instrument, you have a deeper understanding of how absolutely fucking insane it is what you're doing. Um, and I've seen you live so many times. I've been we've been blessed to play the same festivals where I, um, you know, always will make it a point to watch your set because it it is. It is absolutely mind blowing. Um, it's mind blowing what you do on on a couple levels. I guess the the one thing too that I always would joke about is I would say like, you know, if the music industry and artists were um, a video game, and like everyone had like attributes, that I'd say like, okay, so me, I'm like songwriting, like eight point five guitar playing, like six singing, like maybe seven and a half, and you're like a cheat code. You're like someone used a cheat code and just like smoked all the attributes to the top <laughs> to the top level. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I wouldn't give myself that. I wouldn't give myself that that score. But I appreciate it. <laughs> I know you wouldn't, which is why you're. Yeah, so cool. I mean, I think like. <laughs> I mean, I think like I, um, you know, I feel like I'm always trying to keep those things at a balance, you know, because I love, I love playing guitar and I love singing and I love songwriting. And I like, I don't, I always wanted to be like, I was more, I always more wanted to be the side man in the band. You know, I wanted to be like the bass player, you know? So I, so I really try and keep those, I try and keep all the skills that I, that I manage, you know, at a level, even outside of music, you know, just, I like, I like doing lots of stuff. So I just try and keep, you know, keep working at it. Keep even, you know, even now I always tell people, you know, in my sets, it's like, you know, I, I'm successful. I mean, you're successful as well, you know, but it's like, there's, there's always a higher level of success that you can attain. And I think if you don't, if you're not constantly working, like I see, I see you and you know, oh crap, sorry, I'm just, um, I'm recording this on Pro Tools and then my Pro Tools just randomly stopped recording. Anyways, um, so, you know, I see, I see you and I see, you know, the way that you work and, and in many aspects of your life, you know, obviously you've been like, you're way more into like fitness and stuff now than, than when I first met you. And, you know, just, just all the, all these things, it's like, if we don't, 
constantly work at them and constantly evolve and and get better it's like it's really going to go the other direction right because it's like if somebody comes and sees your show there it doesn't matter if you like play the just as good as you played the last time it's like if you play just as good as you played the last time it's going to be like a little less fun it's going to be a little less fun for everybody else right so you have to because a lot of our fans are going to come back and see us play 10, 20 times. I've, I've people that have come see me play literally probably a thousand times, you know, from, from coming to like shows every night of the week in, in Hawaii for years, you know, and I still see come out to my shows, you know, when I come back home or, or even out on the road. And so it's like, I have to constantly work to, to do something better than I did at the last show, because if I don't, that person's going to be, you know, I've, I've experienced it myself where I've gone to a show and been like, yeah, it's the exact same show they did when I saw them a year ago. Uh, it's, you know, and then, and then when it comes around again and I, you know, I have an opportunity to see them, it's like, yeah, I'm good. You know, I think I've seen it already. So you have to always be evolving, right? Yeah. Keep, I think to keep it interesting for yourself too. Yeah. For me, it's, it's exactly, that's what I was just going to say. For me, it's like a 50, 50 thing of, you know, like, every time I've seen you, whether solo or with a band, it, when, when you're with a full band, it's, it's just insane. I mean, you're, you're similar to me where you're just surrounded by really good musicians. You know, I always joke, like people ask like what genre of music I play all of the time. And I'm like, well, I'm a singer songwriter, but I have a really, really good band. So it allows like certain ideas to come to fruition. And for me, when we're setting up like what we're going to play on a tour for me the fun part and the dynamic part is like okay well could we could we tease a led zeppelin song here and like what's a what's something we could do that would make everybody flip out you know like when we played pyro um i guess it would have been 2019 um and you had the full band and you guys played money by pink floyd that me and my guys were like hanging on to each other. We thought that was just like the coolest shit. Yeah, and I think that's so important. And I think you're dead on because I've seen bands do that too, where I'll see them at a festival one summer and then I see them the next festival and they play the same set and the same kind of stage antics. And yeah, it's just kind of a weird thing because for me, I just hit a stride during COVID of wanting to um, explore different kinds of music because I was listening to such different kinds of music. and. And I think just being open to that flow of, of having a relationship with music and, and letting it kind of tell me what it wants to do just naturally makes, makes it more fun, you know, because then it's not this stagnant thing. Totally. And it's, you know, and with a band, too, you want to be, you have that freedom. I mean, that's part of the thing that I love about being a band because I really do the two things, you know, I'll either do kind of what I got known for and, and successful for in the first place, which is my solo set where I do all the looping and stuff. And that's, you know, there's a lot of freedom to that and kind of the freedom of that set lies in that I don't have to rely on anybody else. And I don't have to have, you know, when you get really good with a band, you get this intrinsic connection that you, you move dynamically together. And that's really the only time a band gets really fun is when you can go a place 
and you know all the band members are going to follow you there and you don't even have to talk about it before the set and be like hey today i think i'm gonna you know stretch out on that solo or i think i'm gonna get real soft in this part of the verse and you know the band can just feel you going there and and then you can really really move and and that's where the band starts developing really throughout a tour it's like you dig into these parts and each night you you know you all feel wow it was really cool when we got really dynamic at that part or we built it up super big and you don't even have to talk about it after the set and be like hey that was really cool let's do that some more you all just know so the next night you're going to just do it a little bit more because it happens in every song so every song in the set is getting better and better and that's what's super fun about being in a band you know and and so i i love that you know i love i love doing the band thing and and for me it's so it's so freeing you know especially being you know sitting in the chair and having my feet tied to the pedal board mm -hmm. when i'm doing my looping thing it's it's so fun for me to like to get up and and play my electric guitar and be able to move around the stage and stuff a little more yeah, yeah. but yeah you know and also like you said earlier with the with the band members it's like everybody every, I'm the weakest link in my band, you know, so I love, <laughs> I love that. I love being able to just be like, wow, these guys are just crushing it. And I can give, you know, give the solo to anybody else in the band and know they're going to blow my mind. And, and then, you know, know that I can, I can be like, Hey, let's, you know, let's, let's kind of make this section of the song jazzy. And I know it's like, even though I'm not really a jazz musician, it's like all the guys in my band are, so I can kind of let them take it and, and do something that like I never would have even be, been able to to kind of conceptualize. I can just kind of be like, hey, do, you know, do your thing with it. And it's cool, cool, because I've come from a place, too, where, um, you know, I had a great band, but it wasn't, you know, back before I started doing my solo thing, I had a really great band of, of great people, but it was more like um, I was I felt like I was like the strongest link in that band. And that can be frustrating too, because it's like you, you're sort of carrying people sometimes and being like, this is your, this is your part and play it more like this. And, you know, you don't want to be as a band leader, you don't really want to be like a music teacher too. So there's a, there's a balance in it all for sure. Yeah. I couldn't be a music teacher. I don't, I don't know much about it. <laughs> you know, I think that's always, that's what's so funny too about my band. Every, everyone in my band went to school for music, you know, three, my, um, the guy that plays pedal steel, banjo, harmonica and electric for us has a master's degree in upright bass and music theory. Um, drummer and guitar player went to Berkeley. Carl has a music degree. So I'm the only one in my band that isn't a music nerd. But it's this really comforting thing of, yeah, when I write a song, there's this beautiful thing of like, I cannot wait to see what what will transpire, what their, you know, what their ideas will be and what they'll want to do. And, you know, because my band, I'm sure this is similar for you, my band is scattered all over the country. So when we get together to rehearse, I, I'm always just amazed at how easy it is. Um, and how much cool shit they bring to the table without me there. Um, Cause it's their own minds rather than us chewing on it together. There's usually a couple months of everyone chewing on it separately. And then when we get together, it's just magic. Um, I do think dude, there's a level that you play at that is not typical. 
And I like, I guess it is if you're, if you're deep diving, right? Like you, we could take, you know, each one of your, your skills or your, your video game attributes, like I said, and we could break them up and be like, well, yeah, there might be a better guitar player. There might be this, but for me, the thing that's, that's really mind blowing, um, whether you're with a band, you know, that is its own dynamic thing, but you know, to have the knowledge of the pedals and to be able to play the way you do, because you're not just sitting there skanking and like hitting a wah-wah pedal and singing. Like, I've, you know, we watched you, you know, my guitar player, Stefan watched you and was just watching your feet as you were doing a solo set. And he was just like, how in the fuck? <laughs> how are you like, that's just a lot of, um, yeah, that's, that's far past like chewing gum and walking at the same time. But um, how did you get into playing music in the first place? Yeah, man. Well, I mean, I've been playing music all my life, really. Um, you know, and it's like, it's, it's funny you say that because I've never really, I never, like, I didn't go to school for music um, either you know, and, and most of the guys in my band did as well. But, you know, I got like, I just, from an early age, I remember, you know, just being, just, just being super into music always. I remember like some of my first memories are being like, you know, three years old in preschool and my mom's a Montessori teacher. So I grew up, you know, I went to like Montessori preschool and kindergarten and elementary school. And I had this really great music teacher and he would come like once or twice a week. His name is Frank Lido. And he, you know, he lives in like Albuquerque now and I'm still really great friends with him and, and jam with him whenever I can. And I remember when we were little, like he's such a great little kids music teacher. He does, you know, he's, he really like, he's got all these like, just really cool methods of of kind of teaching kids not just like how to play music but how to jam you know all this like back and forth stuff like you know all that like back and forth stuff that that we do with the crowd well I I started doing that when I was like three years old with him you know and he was and he's a steel pan player so throughout elementary school we had a steel drum band and that was like the kind of extracurricular music project that we would do after school with him and I was really into that and we would go you know there was maybe like 12 or 15 of us um, in that steel drum band and and you know we would work at it and then we'd go around and like perform it at the malls and stuff at Christmas time and things like that go around and perform at other schools and it was super fun and I worked my way up to eventually like the coveted role of being the bass player, which is like the coolest thing in the steel drum band because you have these like big drums and there's like five of them surrounding you. You each got like just three big notes on them because the, you know, the bigger the note is, the, the deeper the note is. So each of the drums just has three big notes and you got these big mallets and you're kind of like playing like this all around you, like it's sort of like an octopus or something playing the bass lines. And, and to me, that was like, you know, that was the best because you're, I, I, I felt like, I already felt from that age that, you know, the bass player is really like the fundamental groove setter, you know, and sets kind of the groove and feel. I don't think I even like, I, like at that age, I didn't really like think about it in those, like concrete terms yet but 
but it was just I just knew it was the bass player was like the man you know totally. and so I did that and I took piano lessons you know when I, when I was a kid and piano lessons really um, was a totally different experience for me um, from that which was that the steel drum thing was much more free and fun and and then the piano thing was my piano teacher was great and super sweet but she she it was like with her it was really like you know learn scales learn to read music and play pieces and i was playing classical pieces and i did that from like age six to twelve you know and during that six years of those lessons she never once mentioned to me like the the possibility of improvising or writing anything of my own so i didn't really even have that concept like and it's funny when you're doing it because it was so it was just so structured that i never i never thought to myself like i could just make up my own thing here and that would be cool too so really i didn't start writing music till i was 14 or 15 but when you say like you know the the thing about like being being really good at, like if you're really good at the guitar you know some people just make a living being like really good at the guitar some people mm -hmm. make a living just being really good at just being really good at writing songs and sometimes people don't like are really good at writing songs and they don't even they don't even ever set foot on stage they just write songs for other people and i mean you know all those skills are really great and i I just think the the main thing is like you're never gonna be like the best. It's not. It's there's not even like it doesn't even matter because like you know if you see a list of like the greatest you know Rolling Stones list of the greatest solos of all time, you know you'll find Stevie Ray Vaughan and and uh, you know Jimi Hendrix and you know, like the Eddie Van Halen and like those, even those three guitars, I mean, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix are a lot more similar, but Eddie Van Halen is so different from those two guys. And like, he's so much like technically so much more adept, but you know, I like Jimi Hendrix solo better. And Kirk Cobain will show up on that list too. You know what I mean? And he's a, like, if you ask like snobby guitar players, they'll be like, oh, he's a shitty guitar player, you know? But it doesn't matter. It's like none of that, none of that stuff matters. What matters is, is how people feel it and how you feel it and the emotion and passion that you put into it. So a guy like Kurt Cobain can be like the most amazing musician and really not be technically a very good musician. But he tapped it, he tapped into his own voice. And I think that's why I'm successful and that's why you're successful is you offer something to people that nobody else could ever bring. And that's like one of the main things that that has slowly crept its way into my message, into my show every night is just reminding every single person that they could also have what we have. And it's it's not like, and the important, it, it's, it's not impossible for anybody to be, you know, on this permanent holiday that we're on, which is like just, doing what we love and like i mean i see how hard you work i'm sure you know how hard i work probably more than most people would know but you know it's it's so much fun and we love it and like 
you know, we love getting three hours of sleep a night sometimes for a week <laughs> yeah. straight to be able to hammer home the message that we've been given because we get to do what we love and we get to come home and have the time with our families and be able to know that like we're putting food on the table for our families with this great gift and it's something that everybody should experience man and we all have that capability and it's not you know necessarily music i mean for some people it is building houses or working in finance you know but but most people do get stuck yeah i relate so much to in that these careers and doing something they don't love yeah i say that same thing all of the time of like that that it's not necessarily music or art but like you know if you love working on cars then i mean that's what that's what you should be doing because it's like we just have this finite amount of time you know i i spend a lot of time in deep meditation on my mortality and i think that that's super important so i've always had a very good scope on this idea that my time here as a human being is finite my time as a soul uh, is infinite but my time here as as the person that you're talking to is is so finite that i just want to make sure that the the things that I'm pursuing and the things that I'm doing feed my soul and feed other people's souls. And like that, I think that's the magic of what you and I get to do is this, this like divine connection that we get to share with other people. Um, and we've been blessed to have it, have it resonate with people. Um, and, and, and it's such a wild thing, you know, like, like you're saying, it's so much harder than, than people could even grasp unless you do it. But at the end of the day, you know, we're doing our favorite thing and that's how we're providing for our family. You know, and that, dude, that's another thing that, that I've always had a lot of love and respect for you for. There's not a lot of people that I've met um, that are dads and husbands, you know, that like the, the sense that I've always gotten from you is that this is what I do, but this is what I am. You know, for me, I'm a dad and a husband first. And then, you know, the music, the music is my life, but the touring and, and all of that stuff is, is, um, that's what I do. It's not who I am. You know, my family is at the root, but one thing that just popped in my head while you were talking that I wanted to share with you is when I was early, early on, like around the time that you and I first played together, um, you had released a record and there's a song called, I'm going to make it. And dude, the amount of fucking times that I put that song on when I was like, like, you know how it is on that climb where you like, you might have a, a show where you're like, oh my God, 150 people came and then you play for eight people the next night and you're making no money and it doesn't seem like it's happening. It's happening. It's happening, man. And I would, I would put that song on and listen to it so loud and just be like, no, I'm not quitting. This is what I was made to do. There is no other path. This is the path and I'm staying on it. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just so mindful of, of those songs and those, um, those flags that kind of kept me going forward because my life now is so amazing, dude. I never thought I would own a home. I never thought, you know, I grew up in, 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 in such poverty and disarray that I never thought that I would have the life that I have now, especially not by playing my guitar and singing songs. So, um, yeah, huge, huge kudos to you for writing that song. Cool, man. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks, man. I mean, congratulations. You know, it's it's amazing. And and like you said, yeah, I mean, for me, family is everything. 
I was raised by wonderful parents. And when I was younger, I didn't really think that I would be a father, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really have that in my mind. And then when it happened, um, you know, it was a surprise to me, but, but, um, you know, and it kind of came about, I don't know if you know that much about me, but I met my wife when I was, when, when, um, I was pretty young and she had three kids already and, um, Same. Were two years, two years, four, two years, four years and eight years old. And they didn't have a father figure. And like, you know, I just met them all together and, and like fell in love with them all at once, you know, and we had one more child together. So we have four, four <laughs> kids, but you know, it's like that I was like at this point in my life when, you know, I was, I was 23 years old and I didn't like, I wasn't thinking about having kids at all, you know, and then that happened and my life completely changed, but everything about everything that I do in music is so relies so heavily on that energy of change that happened. And my family is 100% my biggest inspiration. So everything about the music that I make is about the depth that came when I became a father. So that's everything, man. And, and yeah, you know, like songs like gonna make it is like that's a you know my I think my favorite lyric in that song that I always like every I I always sing that song almost every night with my band because I just yeah I feel like it's 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 an empowering song and my and every time my favorite lyric to sing is you know kind of in the middle where I'm like you know can you feel me you know, I don't need you to know where I'm, I don't know, I don't need you to know exactly where I'm coming from, but I need you to feel me so you can take it and make it your own song because, you know, it is your song. And it's like you, when you listen to that and you feel it and you put it on to give you inspiration, it's like you're feeling, you're taking that application and making it something, and it's something else than what I was writing, writing about. It always will be, but it's, but when when you're doing the music right it's like you're you're receiving that universal inspiration so that the songs can mean something for you and and mean something different for me and mean something different for the person next to you but that energy and intention of healing and moving forward is where it's at you know and and i think that's that's you know our music sounds very different you and i but at the same time I've always felt like we, you know, we run in the same circles and we've crossed paths because our intention is the same. You know, it's a healing intention. And there's not a lot of music that I think is intentionally healing. You know, like, like I don't know if necess necessarily like, you know, bands like, I don't know. I mean, I can't, I can't even like speak, but like a band like Slipknot, I don't know, you know, I'm not yeah. super familiar with their music. Right. But yeah. it's heavy, it's dark, you know? And like, um, and, and like, I've seen them play and been like, wow, this is like heavy and dark, but for some people it's, it's healing. And I don't know if their like intention is to think like, we're going to make this like super nuts music. That's like pretty dark and heavy and but it has healing energy in it you know i don't know if they're even thinking that 
when they're doing it, but it does, you know, because people need to get that anger out and they need to express it and channel it through music, you know? And so when they do, you know, when you get angry and you're down in the mosh pit and you're like, there's a reason why you're in there. It's because you got to get like that out. And, and it's like, it is freeing. Right. And so, but like we, in our music, we're intentionally like thinking and heal them and move them in a positive direction. And so, you know, people, they are attracted to it because of that reason, because they need it. And, and the more, I, I don't know about you, but the more that I've experienced that, the more I just w- have wanted to dive deeper into it. And, you know, and the songs are not always like going to make it and like super positive like that. But, you know, even the ones that are like, you know, angry at the system are still like, for me, I still am I'm like, focused on healing because sometimes you know healing is is just education and wisdom and knowing what's going on right yeah no i that's what i really love love about you is i I, you see a lot of bands go all in on the the anti-system stuff and i that's one thing i really love about your music is that there is this balance because i don't think you can't have liberation without knowledge you know so you don't if you don't know that you have shackles on your feet you don't even know what running is. You don't know that running is capable. So for you to understand what running is, you have to first acknowledge like, oh shit, I should take these things off my feet so I can get going. Um, dude, one thing I have to circle back on that is so fucking wild. The reason I was freaking out when you were kind of telling your story, I met my wife when I was 22 and she had three kids from a previous marriage and their father was not in the picture. <laughs> like you were saying that was like to the t um chloe was three colden was just turned six and caden was eight and now caden is 22 and colden just graduated high school (laughs) at chloe 16 and then we had one of our own uh four years ago so yeah i was freaking out i was like what the fuck man yeah that's so that's so wild totally (laughs) um yes yeah and it was the same thing i I guess I always knew that I wanted to have kids, but it wasn't, it definitely wasn't on the docket at 22, but I met this woman and I fell in love with her and I fell in love with the kids. And I said, okay, well, I guess this is just my life then. And, and I love that. And this was where God wanted me to be. So here I am. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, but it really, for me too, I think early in my career, it was such a motivating thing. Um, and, you know, I think the hardest part of touring when you have a family is, is you know, you miss your people. But the thing that I, that always kind of snaps me out of that, um, you know, may, maybe my son misses me. You know, I think when we grow up, we have so many people telling us to follow our dreams and you can do anything. And, you know, all the people when I was growing up that said that to me, work jobs that they hated, they weren't pursuing anything that they cared about. And my, <laughs> my you know, my kids have known my kids have known no other way. They've, they've just seen me build this thing from nothing, you know, to, to providing for us. So it's like, you know, they've just seen a real live picture of what, what following your dream can look like, you know, and the work that it takes and the self-investment that it takes and, you know, that it's not a movie, that, it, that it's really hard and, um, yeah, and that it takes work and effort and dedication. And that, that always helps me when I'm totally. Homesick. Yeah, I think like it, it's interesting too because you know like your kids are 
your kids are, are, you know, your older kids are grown now too. And, um, you know, I've witnessed them. It's like, they, they've seen me their whole lives do this thing. And for them, it's just always been normal, you know? And I think they've kind of had these points in their lives where they've, you know, grown up a little bit and, you know, like Advaya, my youngest is 11 now, and he just came and saw me, you know, in the la- and and he hadn't seen me f- play for a few years. And I think it kind of like tripped him out um, to be at like a little bit, di- you know, different level of his like conscious evolution to just kind of re-recognize and see what I'm doing, like out, when I'm out on the road and he came out, you know, they came, I live in Washington state now and they came over and you know, him and my wife came over and came to our show in Tacoma. And it was just like, you know, I think it kind of, yeah, it kind of tripped him out. And like, I've had, you know, my older kids, you know, my oldest son is 25 now. And it's like, just, just like they re-recognize as they grow and then they move out of the house and then they see like what it takes to make a living. And they see like, you know, kind of what we had to go through as, as, uh, you know, when we were young and working like crappy jobs and just like, you know, trying to scrape by and, and make your dream happen. I think it's like, they do, they do see that it's, you know, it was never easy and it's, and it's still not easy, you know, man, but like as, as dads, like one of the, yeah, we got to go out on tour and, and be a part of our family, but man, like we are so blessed to have like the time that we have with our kids because a lot of the, a lot of the dads I know, it's like, you know, they drop their kids off at school in the morning if they're lucky and then get home in the evening and get to have dinner with them if they're lucky and then, you know, get them off to bed. And that's pretty much like the entire week long. And then you have the weekend and, you know, it's like you got whatever stuff that you got to get done on the weekend. It's like, I feel like there's there's days every single week that I get where I just kind of like put everything aside and just spend with my kids. And I've always done that. And I don't know many dads that have that luxury to be able to just like be like, Hey, you know, I, I control when I work and what I do. And it's like, that's sometimes obviously a, a curse because you have to be self-disciplined and I've, <laughs> you know, I've never been super good at, that's one of the hardest skills that I've had to learn is, is being self-disciplined, but, you know, having that ability to just be like, oh yeah, you, you know, you want to just go to the park today or you want to go to the arcade or something like, yeah, let's go and just spend all day. And when we come home, I don't have to be like, oh yeah, I got to go to work now. Like, let's still like play and play games all night and, you know, just spend the whole entire day. And that's a really, really great gift just to be able to kind of have the freedom to a lot of times just say that. Yeah. I think I did the like math. Like you said, we get, you know, we're getting, we're. I was just going to say, I did, I did the math one time of like, okay, if I'm gone for five weeks, three times a year, but when I'm home, especially with Malachi and COVID, you know, that break was such a blessing for me because he had just turned two, like, I mean, from the moment he opened his eyes until he closed them, I was with him, you know, and it's that same thing when I'm home, 
I'm home. You know, I don't, I don't have to go check in anywhere. I might have to hop on the phone a couple of times, but like I'm with them all day. So yeah, it's that same vibe of like, you want to go to the park? Should we go for a hike? You want to go throw rocks? Like, you know, and, and when you add up that time, cause that was how I had to start framing it too. was like, okay, well, let's say I did have a nine to five. Okay. So I get home at six, you go to bed at eight 30. So there's two and a half hours there. So two and a half hours a day is what I'd get to spend with you as opposed to 12, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And two and a half hours of not quality time, like two and a half hours of like, I'm tired as shit from being at work all day, working something that's like not doing something that's not fulfilling just to make money to pay for for that food on your table or pay for those clothes on your back. So maybe not only am I tired, but maybe I'm resentful of like having to do this to be able to provide for you, you know, and I don't really have the relationship that I want to have. It's like, there's so much, you see that so much in, in family dynamics and you wonder like how parents could be, you know, abusive to their beautiful children. But yeah, it's like that it's, it's, I don't think, you know, people are not, generally like born with the with that that kind of resentment it's just like it builds and it builds and then it's like yeah you know it's a it's a systemic thing you know and yeah that's, and that's how what, I was raised. like doing what we do yeah that's what doing what we do has to like be a beacon for is breaking that cycle of feeling like you know back to what we were talking about earlier that like that career thing it's like it's so tough in the system that we live in to feel like you can follow your dream and you can take time and have the space to follow your dream because you know our kids are are really inundated with this idea of like go to school when you get out of school you either have like a, a career that you already have picked out or you go to college to figure it out and it's like you know my kids are kind of at that my three older kids are like at that age, they're like in their late teens and early twenties. And, you know, I keep telling them it's okay. You know, like if you don't want to go to school now, if you don't want to go to college, definitely don't waste the money to go to college. If you haven't figured out, like, don't, don't do the thing that they say where, Oh yeah, just like take the pre-required credits and maybe you'll figure it out because, you know, then you're in this system that is like telling these kids that, have no idea what they want to do or, or who they are yet. Probably. I mean, I did, I, at that age, I knew I wanted to play music, but I wasn't any good at it. So everybody told me like, go to college, have something to fall back on. But then you go to college and they tell you like, you know, you go to the counselor and the counselor says, well, you know, maybe this career would maybe, maybe business would be good. You know? And like my, my 19 year old son is like, you know, he's just finished his first year in college and it's like, really, he's there because he wants to hang out with his friends and, and party. He's not doing great in school. And I'm just like, you know, and he's going, yeah, I think I'm going to get a degree in business. And I'm like, dude, you, you're not going to, I know you, man, you're not going to have fun being doing anything in business that's like you want to be like you're there because you want to play soccer you're like into sports you're not gonna don't get a degree in business and I'm like you know you you went to school the first year you didn't do super great you got like you got a couple A's and some C's and stuff it's like if you're paying that amount of money for college 
you better be like so into it that you're getting straight A's because you know exactly what you want to do and you know to, to, to achieve that thing, you need this degree. But if you don't have, if you're not super laser focused on something that you're really into, like you could always just get a, get an apartment and get a, get a, like get a job and just like feel things out and like feel out what it's like to pay your own bills and, and live for a while. And it's like, you don't have to get locked into something. And I think that's part of the problem in the system we live in is like, they really are training us to follow a career path. Like from the moment we enter school, you know, in this system of like being judged and being graded and like working, you know, working for a promotion and all that. And it's like, we don't, that's, that's, it's completely, you know, backwards from, from the way that we really work as creative beings, you know, well, let me, we need let me ask you a question, to try things and to, to grow. So for me, dude, I knew so early on, like, I remember, you remember the, like, take your kid to work day. Like I remember going on a take your kid to work day and my uh -huh. step, yeah. my stepdad that raised me, who was an alcoholic, super abusive, but he was the guy you were saying he fucking had side hustles. He was a gambling addict and he was so resentful because I think he just wanted to party and he had no intention of fucking raising a family and he'd already bailed on some kids before he met my mom. And, but like, I remember going to his office at eight years old and just seeing people in ties and seeing cubicles. And I remember being like, nah, uh, not me, dude, not fucking me. And then yeah. not only, but maybe two years later, um, I had seen some pictures of these hell's angels from the sixties. And I just remember going like, yeah, that looks cool. You know, like maybe, maybe that, you know, <laughs> you know like, but then, then this, <laughs> then this kind of fateful thing happened where when I was 14 years old, I found Hunter S. Thompson and I found the Grateful Dead. And those two things, you know, I would say like the Grateful Dead was my musical compass and um, Hunter S. Thompson was like my fun compass. And I spent a lot of years just kind of following nice. my folly because, you know, Jerry's whole thing was just like, yeah, dude, you should be having fun. You know, like that should be the goal is to be having fun. And um, I took great interest in having fun. And, and I spent a, a lot of time in that space. And, and I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I knew what I, what I didn't want. I, I didn't want some soul sucking job. I was not going to wear a suit. I wasn't going to be a part of this thing. You know, it was like over here was like a normal job. And over here was like the hell's angels and the grateful dead and tattoos. And I knew I wanted to go over there. What was there like a pivotal moment that you can nice. remember being like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna. I don't want a normal life. I'm not interested in that. I mean, I think, you know, my parents were, my parents were both teachers my sister became a music teacher, you know, they're, they're creative people. My dad's a musician, you know, he always wrote songs and, and played music for me. So they were kind of like, uh, they were, I mean, they were like really, really amazing parents. And I was, I was raised to, to be creative and to be empowered. But at the same time, you know, when, when I graduated high school, I was really into music, you know, and I had just kind of, kind of gotten like 
somewhat serious about it in the last couple of years, but I was still just, you know, like an 18 year old kid with not a lot of ambition that just really wanted to like what you were doing, just, just have fun and just enjoy life and experience life. And, you know, I was like doing all the stuff you do at that age, you know, taking LSD and mushrooms and all of that stuff. And that was really what I was like focused on exploring more than like exploring the, you know, idea of developing a, a career, you know, and, and even in music, I was like, just like, I, I had these ideas and visions of, you know, being a, being a famous musician and playing in stadiums and all of that. And in my mind, that was like where I was going, even though I was a terrible musician at that point. Um, you know, and as, as like the reality of, of success happened slowly, you know, I mean, I remember the first time I really, you know, was playing a show and connected with people and connected with just the, the five people that were there. And I realized like, oh, this is like, this is it. You don't have to go to the stadium and do that. It's like, this is making it. Right. But I mean, my parents at that, at that age, you know, when I was like 18, I think were really, really pushing for the idea of going to college, um, having, they always said like, yeah, you know, music is great. And like, you should do that, but you should also have something to fall back on because they would say things like, you know, a lot of people want to do music, but only one in a million people that wants to do music is successful at it. And it's interesting because I remember like at the time, you know, and I've never really been like a visionary person that like kind of was good at all of this like quantum physics manifesting and stuff and like visualizing where I want to be and, you know, meditating every day with that vision in mind. I've always been more of just like, a, I know what I want to do and what I want to accomplish. And that's kind of like right in front of me. And I know like, you know, if I put in the work and, you know, now I'm really more attuned to like doing that is really, the idea of doing that is really um, telling and affirming to the universe that you are ready. You know, if you're just doing the work, if you're putting in the work, like you said, grinding and having that belief and not giving up, it's like just saying that to God is, is, is really going to be the key to success because once you show that you have that faith beyond, you know, beyond the, the, average person that's just gonna maybe give up if they don't you know it's like once you and I've always been really good at that but at that age man my parents were telling me you know have something to fall back on and I was just like you know no I don't I don't need anything to <laughs> yeah, fall back no, on I don't no. want to do that I don't want to waste my time <laughs> yeah. yeah and I mean like I think the you, you know I I and I had jobs you know and and when I and at that point a bunch of my friends moved you know we all moved to LA, you know, because growing up in Hawaii your whole life, you start to think like, oh, this place is just like such a, such a, like a closed off little place. And you, you know, we thought, oh, we'll go out in the world and go, go to LA and a bunch of us. And we were all musicians and we were like, yeah, we're going to go play music in LA. And we went over there and, and lived there for a little while. And it was like, not, not what we imagined. And, and it, and it was a great experience for me because I learned kind of 
what it was like in, in a big city like that and learned that I just loved where I was from and ended up going back to where I was from and making music there for a long time. But, but, you know, it was like just working jobs and, you know, I was, I was like an assistant manager at a blockbuster video. And, you know, before that I was like working at Chuck E. Cheese and then I, you know, and the last job that I had was like, um, you know, the last real job I had was working at, at Ross, you know, and I worked at Ross for like four or five months. And I think I was like, you know, 21 or 22 years old. And, and it was just like such a shit job, you know, it's just like, I was miserable, like just bringing people up at the register and restocking the clothes. And it's just, it sucks. You know, we're not built to do stuff like that. No, to just work for, and, and it's not, it's just worse when you're like working for a corporation too, because you get no love, you know, like I worked for, um, I worked for a friend for a while at his music shop, one of my best friends. And it was just such an awesome environment. I mean, obviously working for a music, working in a music shop is a little bit like, um, cheating, you know, for us, but like, but you know, just like knowing that when you do a good job and you're like, if you're working at a, in a business like that, when you do a good job and you're, you're working for your buddy, it's like, yeah, you feel good because you know, like you're lifting up his business and you want to, you know, but if you're working for a company like Ross or something, it's like everybody that works there, even like the manager and the, the store manager and the regional manager and everything, they're all really just like people like you that are working for this nameless entity that's just sucking the souls of everybody underneath from the bottom to the top totally you know it's just it's it's such a terrible place so I think I think I just like at that point was just like after doing that for like four or five months I was just like you know what I'm done with this and I'm never going back and I just that was the last job I had and I just went full on in music and play and took you know just started playing every little gig I could yeah the and tail end, it, you know, and I grew grew it from there. The tail end of my working was like was actually rather pleasant. I like like <laughs> so when you and I met, dude, I was just a dirt bag. I was rock climbing five days a week. If there was snow, I was skiing. I was fly fishing. Like my whole life revolved around being outside, and I had a pretty sick setup, dude. Where like in the winter, I worked on the ski hill, and I was a foreman, so I would just ski from lift to lift to mm -hmm. get breaks. So I was on my skis all day. And then in the off season, I worked at the, the outdoor shop in town, which like 90% of my job was people coming in and saying like, Hey, where should I go hiking? And I'd be like, okay, cool. Let's look at a map, you know? And I would like send them to dope spots. And, um, what was really special about that job was it was, yes, yeah, this mom and pop shop, you know, it was run by a married couple. It was owned by one of their moms and there was like four employees. And so how I would run it was anytime we would book a show, you know, I would be like, Hey, can I have this off? And they'd be like, yes, hundred percent. And then every six months we would get a week's paid vacation. Um, so I would use that week's paid vacation and then take two weeks of unpaid vacation to go do a tour. You know, when we were playing for nobody, but I'd be like, okay, well, at least I'll get $500, you know, at least I have a $500 check waiting for me when I get home. So it was this like very gradual thing. And then, you know, and then when I told them, um, you know, when I told them like, Hey, I think I'm gonna try and do this full time. They were so supportive. And, 
Um, you know, every time I see them, which is frequently, I live in a town of 2000 people, you know, they always come up and give me a hug and they're so stoked and so proud. Um, but yeah, I did the same thing. You know, I worked, um, yeah, same thing, dude. I've done it all. I've done fucking retail. I've done construction. I just like, you know, and it was, I just knew it wasn't for me, but it was just like, okay, this is, I guess what I'm doing. And really it was my wife, you know, that, that, that was pushing me, um, pushing me to share my songs and, um, and David, who, who you're one of the few people that ever met David, you know, he's since passed, but, you know, he was one of the first person people that I met mm -hmm. that really believed in my music and was like, yeah, no, I'll play these songs with you. And then when I met Tubby, you know, he's such a pivotal part of the, of the story. You know, I met Tubbs in Hawaii and, um, you know, he came to Montana for a week and he was the first person to say like, these songs are good, dude. You need a band, you need a bass player and you need a drummer. And like, I think it's, it's time to do it. And, you know, I looked up to Tubby so much. I was just such a fan of his music that to hear that from him was like, you know, and then I just having all of these little moments, you know, getting to play that song with you. I think we played redemption song together. And that was like, whoa, this is, you know, everything like there was all these little things that were like, you know, and then becoming friends with Trev yeah. and like the path just kept kind of revealing itself, you know, and, um, yeah, it's so, yeah, it's such a wild ride. One thing that I do want to ask you about before I let you go, um, yeah. I want to talk to you about your spirituality because I think, um, I'm not trying to throw, sh throw shade at anybody, but I think there's, um, I, I think the American reggae scene is full of a lot of um, people that have kind of like, um, how do I want to say this? Um, that have taken the like fun parts of Rastafarianism and, and used it as a as a catalyst to to make art too, because it's kind of this like palatable, familiar thing. Um, and one thing that was really clear to me when I met you was that you're actually on, you're vegan, um, you don't drink alcohol. There's just this very, and your presence in your music. Um, I, I, you know, the first reggae that really touched me was, you know, my sister was really into punk rock and we lived in Chicago and all her friends were sharp skins. So like Prince Buster and Desmond Decker and all that old rock steady shit. Um, but I remember the first time I heard Bob and the first time I heard Steel Pulse and and even Groundation where it was like, whoa, this is, this is like deep, deep spiritual shit. Um, and it's so evident in your music uh, that it's deep. So yeah, I guess I'm just kind of curious about your path with um, with Rastafarianism and just kind of spirituality as a whole, because it, it's very apparent that it isn't um, something you dabble in, that it's, it's very real. Right, man. Well, I mean, you know, the whole reason why I was drawn to reggae music, we grew up, we grew up with reggae music in Hawaii and, you know, obviously artists like Bob Marley, Peter Tosh and Steel Pulse and, you know, heavy Rasta artists like that kind of were always a part of my life. But, you know, they're in, in reggae music, I think, you know, when you say that about like all of the artists that are around now, I, I guess like I came from a part a, a place when I was a lot younger that was like really not just in reggae music, but just in all music. Like I've had to learn 
to sort of slough off my my snobbery not not just like musical snobbery but just like yeah i mean i think like everybody everybody has their own reasons for making music for doing music people have their reasons for being attracted to reggae music and even at its inception reggae was not just only rasta music you know it, it's sure. always been music that was you know fun or 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 lovers or you know and, and like even a lot of that desmond decker like desmond decker wasn't a rasta you know party like music yeah his stuff was a lot of a lot of lover stuff a lot of party stuff and you know but for me the music i was attracted to the reggae music i was attracted to that really got me heavy into reggae music and rastafari was yeah you know obviously bob artists like Midnight, the Congos, the Abyssinians, Israel Vibrations. Yeah, Midnight was, you know, and and when I was, when I was starting to really play, that's when like, you know, Midnight, Bamboo Station, Groundation, uh, these bands, you know, that were heavily that were in into that same influenced by that same stuff and had that same spiritual message, came about, and it was a it was really to me a great a great time of of revolution and and sort of revival for roots reggae music because yeah there was a lot of you know what rastas would call slackness <laughs> you know in in reggae music and now i've like just sort of like learned that you know there's a great place for an artist like you know stick figure or something that's that's not like really super um rootsy like that and and definitely not a rasta message but still a positive message and still really uplifting people in a you know and real way i think you know i meet people that are like it yeah that that are like you know stick figures like really helped me just to be live a more positive life and it's like cool you know it doesn't have to be like the the deepest like heaviest spiritual meaning because we're all at different points of our spiritual journey right and i think like you and me are attracted i always say like people are attracted to people and we can have these like deeper conversations you can only have that with certain people right and it's like you you develop these deeper friendships with people that are kind of at a similar point in their spiritual journey but not everybody's gonna be there and there's and reggae music is so universal that i love that about it you know and it's like there are probably a lot more people that are like you know not at that like really staunch heavy part of their spiritual journey where they're like experiencing this great awakening and like those those kind of people are going to be attracted to um music like ours that are speaking about these things that are that are you know of a more heavy nature and it doesn't make it like better i think that's been part of my you know like i said part of my learning is you know that it's not more important it's not like cooler or hipper or like more underground or more roots to it's in in a lot of ways it's you know it's detrimental and it's antithetical to what we're actually trying to do to be judgmental of anything of any music and like I, you know 
I have this conversation with musicians a lot because I used to come from a place where I would hear something that I didn't like and I would say, that sucks, you know, or I hate that, you know, and it's like these kind of like really extreme things. And it's like, no, there's really literally no music that sucks because even the most pop music that we hear and it's like, that's so shallow. It's like, that's somebody's experience, you know, Dude, and I think and the they're thing expressing it. Yeah. And I think a thing that's so funny, you know, is like, I used to, I used to be the exact same way. And, and, you know, I remember my daughter of all people, you know, um, I, I don't know if it was a Beyonce song or some pop song. And I was like, that sucks. And she's like, yeah, yeah well, there's like 3 billion people that disagree with you. So like, <laughs> you know, like, well, you know, what, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what does that really mean? Yeah. And, and to speak to the reggae thing, um, I guess I was more just pointing at your spiritual journey in it, because what I think is really cool about reggae right now, actually, oddly enough, I just saw that you announced some dates with Ayaterra. Nathan is, is one of my best buds. And what's cool about, I think, the reggae scene right now is we're seeing people that grew up listening to different shit and then ending up at reggae and like Ayaterra has these very like metal forward, super like, you know, Nathan grew up listening to fucking shred metal and he's somehow magically weaving that into reggae music. And I think that's like the coolest thing. And, and bands like, yeah, you know, I've never gotten super into stick, but like, you know, slightly stupid when I was kind of transitioning from punk rock and skateboarding culture into reggae, it was a really cool bridge, you know, sublime, same way. It was just like, Oh, this is kind of mm -hmm. this, this in between from oh. punk, punk rock to reggae. So, yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's all important. And like you were saying, I think the, at the end of the day, it's like how it makes someone feel. And I think, like you said before, like, I think the thing that's special about what we do is like, that's number one is that it's like, I don't want to be a soundtrack for a party. I want to be the thing you put on on headphones that like makes you weep and makes you want to do better and like be a better dad, you know? And like, um, but your, your approach, yeah. like, I guess the, like the feeling of hearing Bob and going, Whoa, he means this. This is not, this is very intentional or like hearing gospel music and being like, yup, that feels like God. I guess like everything that I've ever heard from you has always felt that way to me. It has felt so deep and so authentic and so real and like actually connected where it's like, it's a transmission. It's not like, oh, I'm going to make this song and here's how we're going to kind of lay it out. So it, um, you know, so it's fun at a barbecue. It's this like, whoa, dude, this is, <laughs> there is like an actual divine connection that's coming yeah, through. Yeah, I mean, I think, Right. You know, and it's like when you say, you know, people ask you to describe what kind of music that you play. Um, you know, of course, I'm going to say, well, it's reggae music, you know, but there's so much more to it. And I think, you know, I I mostly describe it as, you know, spiritual music and healing music, because that's really its intention. And yeah, that's what that's what I always strive for in everything you know you hear my albums they're not there's like half of the songs are reggae and half of the songs are other stuff and i think for me the reggae music rastafari is what opened that door for me to spiritual music because you know my grandpa's a preacher he made gospel music his whole life um but that was never like for me that was never the connection 
to God, you know, and reggae music, Rastafari was the first time I felt that. And I was like, this is what music is for. And that's what it, that's what it's always been for. And so even when I play a folk song or, a, you know, like a, a rootsy rock song or something, you know, like it's that message, that feeling, that connection, that, tra that like you said, transmission, that's what I'm doing when I'm writing, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm open, I'm open to it. It's, I'm receiving something, I'm channeling something, channeling a greater spirit than me. And so, yeah, it is, that's, that's everything, everything for me in music. And, and like you said, yeah, you don't want to be a soundtrack to a party. I've never really thought about it like that, but yeah, it's like, if I'm playing a song, like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, to do that when you're, you know, if you're in a, in a club and everybody's just kind of chatting it up and nobody's really tuned in, it's like, it's really happening when everybody's like focused, we're all on the same page together that's when the music happens that's when it it's it's most powerful you know and it's not like that's not a it's not an ego thing that's like that's just what it's made for and i don't really write songs like that yeah that could be just be like background music and be, everybody can just be dancing and talking and enjoying it and like not totally focused because there is intention to every small inflection you know of 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 the voice every every movement of the finger you know even every movement of the body that's not you know making it making a sound it's like there's intention to it all it's all energy you know and it's all going into the the greater picture so if you're as a as a listener if you're tuned into it then you're giving energy to it too and i always say that's how we can go back and play night after night. It's because everybody's putting their energy and intention into the music and that's what's making it better. It's not just us playing it, you know, it's we're all making this music together and it makes the songs that much better. It makes them sound better, makes them feel better because it's everybody's perspective that's going into it, you know? And if you're, as a musician, you could be like a partying musician and just like jamming out and maybe that maybe like those musicians are not even tapped into the energy of the crowd as much and feeling it as much because maybe it's not even maybe it's more just about having fun which is okay and that's cool you know it's like no i've had to learn to not be judgmental because i have experienced a lot of judgment from other musicians and that's why like you know, even at, even at this point in my life, you know, I have I have these uh, songs like you know Barbershop that I wrote a long time ago. I would never give my money to a barbershop. You know, I grow my lion's mane according to the will of Jah, as I'm an anti dreadlock, a Rasta. I would never write a song like that now because I've sort of moved away from just labeling myself as a Rasta. You know, sure. and though, you know. Haile Selassie is, you know, one of what still one of my biggest sources for inspiration and wisdom. You know, I I like to think of myself as being bigger than any label. And Dude, I, I, I said, think, you know, I think I said last week something that I think you'll love. This thing came to me where I was like, because because people when we dropped our last record were like, what the fuck? So you're making country music now? And I was like. Dude, my, my family's run cattle in Montana for like 
fucking hundred years, dude, like come see where I live. And like, no, I'm not making a country record. I'm making whatever comes through. But I was like, just kind of getting bombarded with hate one week. And I said, I said, you know, I love God too much to pick a religion and I love music way too much to pick a genre. Like I can't, I, I, I really relate to that thing of being like, well, no, dude, cause as soon, as soon as I put a name on it, like you said, like, yeah, you play reggae music, but you you also have like Advaya and Distant Travelers and these songs that are like, those aren't reggae songs. These are these beautiful singer songwriter, like Distant Travelers always remind me of like, if Cat Stevens could play guitar like you, that would be like a song that he would write, you know? And I think that's so important. <laughs> you know, it's so important cool. to not- Yeah, I love Cat Stevens. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that's that's tricky is the is to build, you know, I just kind of, I think in COVID, I, I learned during all of that time off, I learned all of the pieces of me that I love outside of music. And then it rounded me out as the man that I'm supposed to be. And a huge part of that was like kind of putting walls around myself uh, in a protective way of being like, well, you know, for someone that doesn't know me to tell me what I am is like someone giving me a book report on a book they haven't read. So it makes absolutely no sense to even pay attention to that. And then like you were saying, you know, to, to observe that in myself and like when I'm being judgmental and when I'm saying, oh, well, that sucks or, oh, that's stupid. It's like, well, who am I to fucking say that? You know, like, what am I? I'm just, you know, I'm an outside observer kind of staring at something that's so objective, yeah. you know? Exactly. How can you make a judgment about something you're, you don't know about? It's like, you, you, you have no idea what, you know, Eric from Revolution is, is, uh, you know, thinking about when he writes a song and it's like, you might think, well, that's not a, that's not a Rasta song or whatever, but like, and a lot of people say, you know, when they hear a band like Revolution, they're like, oh yeah, they're not honoring the, but I, honoring the reggae sound, but I hear that and I'm like, you know, I can tell like that. Eric's listened to, or the guys have all listened to a lot of roots reggae and like they might be doing something different with it but I can tell you know they love reggae music and they and they they have their own sound right and it might not sound like Steel Pulse to you or it might not sound like Black Uhuru to you but I can hear those elements in it and it's like they're just they're just channeling their own experience right and they're creating a sound that is unique and that's their own and it's and if you don't like it like just don't listen to it but you have no need or reason to say like that sucks yeah you know? i've been because I've been, there's they have plenty of people listening to it right totally and that's that's what i've been telling people too is like it's it, we just live in such a weird time especially with social media where people are like well if i don't like something i'm gonna go tell that person publicly that I think what they did is shit where I'm like, you know, or you just unfollow me and don't yeah. listen to my shit anymore. That's totally an option, you know, and then nobody, you know, we don't even right. have to exchange anything, just stop listening. And like, um, yeah, man. It, yeah. It's such a wild thing. Well, before I have to go uh, drive, drive to get Carl, I want to ask you one question. This is something I ask every musician that I have on the podcast. What's the first song that ever made you cry? Cool. Could be a happy song, sad song. Man, I don't know. I, I don't, 
I don't know if I can, I can recollect what's the first song that ever made me cry. I think, you know, I, I have like, I think when, you know, crying with music is like, sometimes if I feel like I need to cry, you know, I'll put on a, I'll put on a song, you know, that, that I know will just help bring those emotions up in me. A lot of people cry at my shows, you know, Same. every yeah. time I, I come off stage and I talk to people, you know, they say to you afterwards, you know, like I cried twice or, you know, people are like, and they're really, um, you know, they're kind of, it's like a profound thing for them, but, but crying is so cathartic. Right. Um, and, and I, th I'm always like, good, you know, like you cried good. You should get it out, you know, because it is, it's like, if you, ha if you, if you cried during a song that I sang, it's not because my song like made you feel something that, that, um, you know, made you cry. It's because you already needed to cry and you had something the inside door. of you and that just allowed you to like, yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes I feel like, you know, if I'm hurting about something, I'm just like, I got to get it out and I'll put on a song, you know, I've, I've kind of some go-to songs that I, that I listen to some songs by like, a. Uh, one of my favorite singers is one of my best friends in the world, Paula Fuga. And she, she, you know, a lot of her songs always make me cry. She's like one of the, you know, we, t we talked about like musicians and, and, uh, you know, for me, like, I, you know, you say like a musician's musician. Well, like, I'm like, you know, I don't, I've never like wanted to be a musician's musician, like, because I'm like, I really like the, my favorite musicians are musicians like Paula that just like, you know, she doesn't really know much about music at all. She's so like, I'm just like, wow, you have something so Step special, in. just like innate. Yeah. Well, there's, and, to me, I'm like, always wow, moved that's, you, by people that like, like the last time I cried to music, um, I'm such a heavy lyric guy and I know you are too, you know, like I'm very intentional and like, yeah, I think that is my gift is, is, is if anything is, is, is writing. And we were on um, a six week long tour last fall and we were supposed to have a week long break in the middle so I could go home and see my family. And then we got offered to do this cruise and I said, yes. And, um, the homesick was was just hit me and I was tired and run down and very overwhelmed because I hadn't been on tour in two and a half years and we were just going and it was five shows a week and but we were taking off in a plane and I was listening to Jerry Douglas I don't know if you've ever listened to Jerry Douglas but probably the best dobro player to ever live and um he has an album called Glide oh yeah of course yeah yeah man and I and I put that on and I was sitting on the airplane and I just started bawling and like for three songs, you know, just kind of straight. And mm -hmm. yeah, exactly what you're saying was like, I didn't even need words. I just needed, I needed to hear something to open the door and be like, okay, buddy, go ahead. Like, you know, you've been, you've been saving this for a week. Let's just go ahead and cry in front of all these strangers on an airplane. <laughs> you know, like, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, man. But to me, music is music really the only thing that can do that to me, you know, and, and sometimes there's not even an emotion attached to it. Like, you know, when I'm driving 
you know, I have to go to Billings all of the time to get, um, you know, that's where I grocery shop and I, and I fight down there. So, but when I'm driving back towards the mountains, man, if I'm listening to the right thing and the mountains are staring me in the face, you know, the right thing will just be like, okay, <laughs> you know, let's do this. Um, but yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's so profound. And man, on that tip, before I let you go, man, I have, I have absolutely cried to, um, to, to you're going to, going to make it like, dude, I, I've had so many times early in my career where that song, fuck man, where I would have, you know, there was, there was one time in particular, I had made $1,200 on this tour. And then the front end of the van broke and it was like $1,198 to fix. And I was just like, no, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, that was one of those times I went and picked up the van and I gave that man all of my money and, uh, and I put that song on and drove home and was just like, okay, this is one of those things, man. I just can't quit. That's it. That's all I got to do is not quit. Dude. I mean, I still, I still have those experiences, you know, I just came off a tour and it was the best tour of my life, you know? Um, and we, it was like our first time, you know, we got a, we got like a bandwagon. I don't know if you know, you know, did you, you like it? Know what Cause a we're, get, we're getting one this fall. You know, it it's nice? basically, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was great, man. I mean, the like trying to sleep in there while it's driving is not super easy, but it's, it's great. And it was awesome. Like, Cause I'm usually the driver, you know? Same. So uh, for anybody that's listening that, that doesn't know a lot about like the way that we tour, it's generally, you know, we got to get to a venue by about three in the afternoon. And then we're basically there from, you know, three in the afternoon till about like two in the morning and doing, you know, our sound setting up and sound checking, loading in, taking care of the merch, um, you know, from, from that to, to um, sometimes doing like VIP sessions before the shows and then, and then, you know, trying to find something to eat really quick and then doing the show and then getting done with the show, talking to everybody, breaking out down and getting out. Sometimes you're there at the venue from three in the afternoon till two or three in the morning. And then um, if you're not do like the bandwagon was the first time we had like sleeping arrangements in our vehicle like a tour bus you know so before that like you know we usually like like the both of us we're always touring with our bands in a in a van and in a you know sometimes in a minivan or a sprinter van or whatever and then it's like you get done with that show at three in the morning and you know you have a six or seven hour drive in between that time at three in the morning and the next venue you got to be at at three in the at three in the afternoon. So you got about a twelve hour window, and you got to fit a six or seven hour drive in there. So you know you're either going to the hotel now to sleep for four or five hours, or you're driving a ways and get you know either way you're only getting that four or five hours of sleep in sometime you know uh, between now and that time you got to be at the next venue. So having that bandwagon is cool because you know you get you have a driver and then you're just getting there and you're sleeping and, and uh, it's really great because you can wake up and you're in the next town already and you don't have to, like, I would have to get up and drive to get there the next day. So, so it was a, a definitely a big level up, you know, and I had, it was the biggest 
tra I travel with 10 people. You know, I had my six band members and my sound man and my merch guy and my tour manager and the driver. And uh, it was like, it was amazing, you know, and, and we did bigger shows than we've ever done. You know, like every time you go, out, I'm sure you experience the same thing. You go out on tour and it's always a little bit bigger every time. Mm -hmm. So it's great, you know, and, and, uh, and it was this great feeling of, of, you know, we came off a tour and it was just like, oh man, my band played better than they've ever played. They're just sounding better than ever. Uh, we had better experiences at shows, just felt freer than ever, better crowds, just better vibes. Everything was just better. And everybody was so happy. There wasn't like a single complaint about anything the whole time. Everybody was so happy. We came off, everybody's buzzing, you know, and then you get home and, and, uh, you know, my manager's like, yeah, you know, uh, I know it's great and everything, but sorry to drop this news on you, but we're like 10K in the red, you know? And so it's like, you, you come off of a tour like that and it's like, well, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a little hard, you know, it was, it was hard for me for a couple of days because then I'm just seeing all of the you know, all of the statements going out, I'm getting all the notifications because she's paying everybody and everybody's getting, everybody's getting all their pay that they were, that they were all promised. And I'm like, you know, everybody's, everybody's getting paid here. Except <laughs> for me, like I'm, I'm deep in the red and, and I'm the one that really like wrote the songs and brought you know, the people there. Yeah. It's like, I it's my business. I work, I work, yeah, and I work 10 times as hard as anybody, even just along the way to make everything happen and put that energy in. And then you got to like, and sometimes you got to like, look at it and be like, it's often, it's often the way it is, isn't it? Like, you're, you're just like, I work, I know I'm working, putting everybody, you know, and, but of course, like when it's good, you reap the rewards, right? And so you have to like, remember that it's a balance and that, you know, you can't, you can't dwell on those things like, ah, oh, man, it was such a like great tour and everybody got paid, but I lost money and I worked the hardest. You can't dwell on that because, you know, in the end, it's just money. And like the experience that we had, it was worth losing the money. And bro, you know? it's going to, it's it, going to pay it comes, off. Yes. That's what I was going to say. It'll come back tenfold. You know, Ryan, <clears throat> who I used to work with, who's your agent, you know, said to me one time, he goes, you know, ultimately, man, guys like you and Mike and Cass, you'll always win because it's, you know, I, I, what he said was you're good guys and you're putting out good music and you're making people feel good and only good can come from that, you know? And I guess the way that I've always, you know, my mantra yeah. is, is always, if my goal, if my goal is to help and not hurt, to be a better version of myself than I was yesterday, to make better music than I did yesterday, to put on a better show than I did last tour, the universe and God will always conspire with me and not against me. And, and it's, I've, dude, I've had so yeah. many, so many moments like, like, like you have where, you know, we went and played Cali Roots this year and I, I essentially paid $5,700 to go pay that, play that festival. <laughs> and it's like, um, yeah. but yeah, when it, when it goes well, we, we reap the benefits the most, but dude, I just, I think, um, I think there's no cap for you. Um, I think you're, you're so, um, I think the thing I love the most about you is you're so reluctant to realize how badass you are. 
because you have all of these other frames of reference, but I really do believe that you are one of the most, um, not only talented, but just really special people making music, man. And, I'm, and I've always just been so drawn to your music and you as a dude, there's a, there's a stoicness about you um, that I really admire. There's a stoicness that's also merged with this softness. And, and every time you're around, it's such a, such a nice presence because it's so adverse to so many musicians that I, that I encounter that are drinking and crazy and staying up. And, and there's just a, there's a stillness about you that's really beautiful and it comes through in your music. Um, I'm so glad we got to talk, man, especially, um, you know, not just talk about music, but to, um, you know, to realize that you and I have kind of so many similarities when you, yeah, when you were talking about your wife and kids, I was just like, what? You know, it's pretty rare that you, that you meet someone <laughs> that has awesome, that man. story, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's great, man. And, and same, you know, same, I have, I, you know, it's a, it's a mutual respect and I love your music and I, you know, I'm so proud of you and, and how far you've come from when we first met, you know, and, and just, I know that, yeah, it's not going to stop. And I see how driven you are and, and uh, you know, and, and like what you were saying with the music evolving, you know, I'm, I'm glad and I'm proud of you for, for like going with what you feel and not pandering to what even, you know, an audience that you've built is going to expect of you because you have to evolve and you have to do what you feel. And the people that really love you are going to go along with you wherever you go. And some people might not understand it and they might come around eventually, or maybe they'll move in a different direction. But if you're being true to yourself, you, you know, your, your fan base and people that, that love and respect you deeply and will stick with you to the end is always going to grow and grow and grow. And the people that might, you know, not be be fully down with you might go away but the people that are like are are totally down with you are going to stick with you no matter where you go because they understand that you're coming from a place that's your core essence that is you and you're not going to you know fake that and you're not going to do what you know what people are wanting you to do or what you know a record label or 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 the system or whatever is is telling you to do you're gonna you're gonna do you so keep doing you man and 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 keep doing your best and keep keep inspiring the people keep inspiring me i appreciate you brother thanks for having me on yeah man much love i will uh, i'll talk to you soon i hope to see you this summer sounds good man love right, you brother. Care, brother love you too all right y'all that was mike love Next week on the podcast, we have lead singer of Article Sound System, Logan. Logan's a badass. Um, one of my favorite podcasts to date. Killer taste in music. Super funny. Um, just a super rad chick. And um, a really fun conversation. She's at a really fun time in her career. Um, and it was cool to drop in. It was, uh, it's been fun watching watching the band grow. Um, she's been on tour, our front of house has, has been working with Tribal Seeds um, and she's on a tour with them. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, I've known of the band and uh, been digging their, their live shit recently. So tune in next week for the homegirl Logan from Article Sound System. God bless y'all, drink water, go get some. <laughs>